0: Welcome everybody to the Magic Beans Podcast. We are back again for episode number one hundred and twenty-seven. I'm your host tonight, and my name is Shorty and I have just one bean on the line with me, so tonight we have just Cracker. How's it going, mate? Good, thanks buddy. How are you? Good, well, sort of. You sure? <laughs> I might have been having a coughing fit That's as we're okay. trying to yeah. start recording, but uh, also apologies for just referring to you as just Cracker. No, it's fine. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've uh, obviously missed last week's podcast. I don't know the the last couple of weeks have just been a blur. I had uh, I had everything that counts as COVID, except for actually testing positive for COVID. And uh, after hearing, you know, you've obviously been through COVID, and it sounded. Mm-hmm pretty mild, yep. and uh, I had a solid week of absolutely feeling like death. So, <laughs> so Congratulations. It was not COVID, but <laughs> it felt way worse. So, uh, still got the lingering effects of that. I've got a cough that just won't go away, so hopefully I manage to edit them all out tonight, and uh, I still have a nose full of snot, and my voice is still a bit weird. So, this will be an interesting podcast. Nah, we'll be fine.
1: Yeah. bit. <laughs>
0: At least it won't be as bad as the robot voice <laughs> episodes.
1: Well, you know, that, that's yet to be seen, Shorty. We don't know what the recording's <laughs> going to turn out like, so,
0: you know. Uh, yeah, don't speak too soon. <laughs> uh, all right, so, yeah, just the two of us tonight. Uh, yeah, we, I don't know, this may be a short podcast. We don't know. Sometimes we say it's going to be a short one and then it ends up going for a while, but just a couple of things to talk about tonight to uh, yeah, keep keep everyone up, date, up to date with what's going on. But uh, before we get into that, do you want to tell us about our awesome sponsors? I would love to. It is Josh and Pat's
1: MTG Bazaar, and they are a Facebook auction page where you can buy physical magic cards. They have a couple of different ways of doing that now. So they have nightly auctions, and usually many, many lots up at once, typically four, and you can just go in there and bid, you say the number you want to spend on a card, and then if you win, that's fantastic. They also have the buy it now auctions where a card is listed at a price, and you can just say mine or yes or anything you basically just put sold whatever you want sold you could even put the actual word that pat says on there but you know (laughs) that's it there's no bidding there's no getting rolled by someone for that extra dollar when you're you know putting your kids down so the problem with those is they they do go very fast but they are very very competitive they're usually at like you know what's referred to as ck one to one so you're paying like the price for some of the big stores in america at their dollar rate, but for the Australian dollar, which is exceptional because our dollar's garbage. So, go and check them out. You can go to gpmtgbizarre.com.au. And when you do win some of those sweet auctions, let them know that the bean sent you.
0: Very good. So, uh, yeah, I uh, despite my uh, lingering illness, I managed to get onto the stream this week, which was good fun. I know you jumped into into chat for a little bit. and I did. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, managed to uh, tee up one of my league matches. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And, yes, made it all the way to gold tier four. Uh, But, uh, yeah, played one of my league matches against p and, uh, yeah. How'd that go? Well, I won and he did not have much fun. So, uh, yeah, that was all right. Uh, But, uh, yeah, it was uh, jamming some – I've been playing, like, green-black just mid-range, which – Anyone who listens to this podcast knows I do not like mid range. It is my probably least favorite archetype. Like I've, you know, I've been known to play some funky combo decks, and I've played some control in my time, and and you know, don't mind that. But just stock boring mid-range just not a fan and somehow i've managed to get trapped into the the arena ecosystem where that's basically all i can build at the moment just with the <laughs> the cards that i've Come on, man. managed to, to get
1: committed two sets ago to delver <laughs> like me yeah. and just know that it's gonna be bad and ride it out for the next yeah, yeah. infinite uh <laughs> forever there, there are some good cards at
0: the moment though but yeah tell us there about are, yeah. this
1: green green black pile you've been playing
0: yeah, so I've been playing it's just green, black mid range, just like Storm the Festival and all the the green and black planeswalkers. I, I sort of splashed in a bit of blue for Tamiyo. I did have a, a Kaito in the list for a little bit, but yeah, it's just just very mid range, and, and sometimes it, it works quite well. You know, I'm playing quite a lot of main deck removal, so if that lines up well, then I'm I'm great. Um, you know, some Blood on the Snow, some Meat Hook Maskers, and just some point removal that sort of thing. So if you're going up against creature decks, it, it does quite well. But then there's other times where You just miss, you know, your fourth land and you just sit there with a handful of five mana cards and do, like, literally nothing. So, yeah, played that on stream for a little bit. Didn't have much fun. (laughs) I don't know if the people watching the stream could tell how uh, (laughs) bored I was getting. Uh, but we completed some quests and then we jumped into uh, some Mono Red in Explorer and oh boy, did my excitement levels go up from there! If you have not seen the clip that I ended the stream with that got me into into gold, I suggest you go and uh, jump into our Discord and, and find that, or, or just go and go onto Twitch and, and find the save clip that the Tyres did for us. It's an entire match that fits into a Twitch clip. That's yeah, how quick it 49 went. Forty nine seconds or something <laughs> like that.
1: It was, it was pretty spectacular though. You were very happy playing. Mono I Red. was. It, yes, it's yes. it's good to see you in your element, and you po- you pilot it very well. Oh, I
0: try, <laughs> and yeah, was jamming a little bit of that uh, before. Well, nice. while I was waiting for you to uh, sort your kids out and get on the podcast, so yeah, it was uh, it was good fun. But uh, we're not here to talk about Explorer. We will. Uh, we've been saying it for weeks and weeks that we're going to do a focus on Explorer. I guess we'll probably wait. I don't know what we're waiting for. Something. Maybe we'll. You know, our our next one day event will be historic and it will be Explorer, and that'll be what we what we focus on but we have had a couple of standard events uh, go on 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 the weekend so i think that's sort of the majority of what we'll be talking about tonight so i think you and chewy mentioned on the podcast last week that there was an esl the next leg in the esl event on this weekend L-
1: L- last weekend yeah it was the yeah exactly right uh yeah yep. so we were, were encouraging people to jump into that we know that um we had a few people, uh, Linden playing in it last time did really well and kind of ran it back. Top eight mm. again,
0: yeah, smashed it.
1: So, uh, yeah, they were playing runes. Uh, it's obviously, it didn't gain anything from this set, but it's like it has those nut draws where it's just if you don't stop a turn two Jukai Naturalist into turn three Runeforge champions, like GG, <laughs> you just this yeah. basically on the spot. Like, it's just gross the the value that that deck can generate. It's It's very impressive. So, well done, congratulations! Yeah, made it all the
0: way, made made to top eight again. But this, so I think in the last one they made it to top eight and and lost in the quarterfinals and or semifinals, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So sort of made top four this time, made all the way to the finals and then uh, unfortunately lost again. But second place is enough to qualify for the end of season championship. So congrats to Linden. You know we've seen Linden in. It was Lyndon in our Invitational last year? I think they were. And it's de- definitely made a few league finals, things like that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, doing doing well in the Beans community and yeah, good job on, on representing the Beans. But, yeah, run, running back the Runes. I think Linden's been playing the Runes for quite a while. And as you said, the deck can just be nuts. I know Stu's been playing Runes for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, I probably would be playing Runes, except I can't afford the 40 wild, rare wild cards <laughs> that I need to build that you've deck. Too so many. You know,
1: planeswalkers, black planeswalkers. I'm trying to think what they've got.
0: On. Yeah, I've got all the wrong colours of everything. <laughs> I don't, don't have red, white, or green, white or green, red stuff. So you've just got the wrong green cards as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but yeah, the de- the deck is is just solid and and it has those absolute nut draws. But uh, lost in the finals to a red white list, which I haven't seen any of this. Getting around. Have you have you heard of anyone playing this? No,
1: I haven't seen list.
0: Any, any Boros Agro at all. So Yeah, okay. So it's pretty low to the ground. He's playing like Kumanu, faces Kakazan, and uh, it's got the Thundering Raiju, which I think was a card we spoke about in preview season that um, puts uh, gives creatures plus X, plus O, or something like that based on the number of modified creatures you have. Um, you know, got brutal cathar for a bit of removal, luminarch aspirant, which is just always good in, in your ag- aggro decks, bloodthirsty adversary, which is the, the red one. So mm-hmm. yeah, just a bunch of red, white, aggressive stuff that's, you know, seem, seems pretty good. So it's a, a, again, it's a list I probably would be keen to play, but I don't own, <laughs> I don't own all those rare wild, <laughs> white cards that you need to, uh, to fill out that list. So. Yeah, I, th- I think it performed quite well for them over the weekend. So, that was Bent who, uh, who took that one down. So, yeah, congrats to them. And, uh, yeah, maybe we'll see a bit more of that list floating around because it uh, looks, looks like a little bit of fun. It does. Speaking of fun, we were having a look at
1: the the top eight lists there and there was one here that we were just going through by a player called Top Rift. And it had a bunch of cards in it that we had to look up. Yeah. Uh- <laughs>
0: But what are you? Basically- t- sh- you're not meant to say that, Cracker. Oh, We're like sorry. experts on oh, everything Magic the Gathering. We know but- all the cards, and yep. yeah, yeah. No. The thing that
1: <laughs> grabbed my attention was I was, you know, scanning through the lists, and I was like, Talk's real. like that's a that's a commander card. It's a seven mana slug that puts minus one minus one counter things." And I was like, "How are you ever getting to that?" But it's a it's kind of a reanimated deck. Which is yeah. pretty interesting. So, so it's lots junk of big, yeah. Well, sort of. But then there's like a coma just hanging out as well. So I don't <laughs> imagine you ever get to cast the coma for its mana, But I mean, look, with Fable of the Mirror Breaker, you can generate the treasures, you can make the blue mana, So you know, it's. Uh, I guess that's kind of what you're leaning on. Is Fable is Fable is an excellent card. I think oh, we yeah. kind of we didn't really pick up on that one in the, in the preview season, but that thing is just everywhere. And uh, it's only seem to be getting better at the moment. But, yeah, it looks like the discard outlet here. And then there's the graveyard shift, I think it was, which was like the five-mana sorcery that can become an instant if you've got enough creatures in your graveyard. And, you know, you just put something in the battlefield. So, interesting take on, you know, what's going on here.
0: Yeah. Uh, Diagraph Rebirth is the other one, which is... uh another five-mana reanimation spell, but it costs one less for each creature that died this turn, and then it has flashback for for seven. So I don't know how much or how often you're getting that discount on on the spell, but it probably doesn't really matter. I mean, in standard five-mana reanimation spell is not not too bad, especially if you're reanimating something that's really good. They don't
1: go any cheaper than that anymore. They've learned their lesson from animate dead and reanimate and exhum (laughs) and all those fun cards that only cost one and two-mana. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, five, five mana reanimation is, is kind of as cheap as it gets. But, I mean, if you're bringing something back that is, you know, like a coma, right, which is multiple bodies in the one thing, it, it can be really hard to deal with. And, and particularly if you can do that in Flash, like, that's kind of disgusting. So, yeah, I I would be interested to see how this plays out. I mean, it made it to the top eight. So, it obviously had, you know, a pretty good run into there. I don't know how they did after that. but
0: Yeah. I'm, kind I'm of, like- kind of spicy. <laughs> Looking at the list, there's not a ton of removal. Like there, there's an infernal there's, grasp. <laughs> yeah, there's one infernal grasp. I think there's unleash the inferno, which I think is a board wipe. I think that's the jund board wipe. Yeah, the river tears charm you can use as the um, big
1: edict as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, but, but that's yeah, th- it. it's, like it's like there's, there's no metal maskers or anything like that to to keep the board clear. So like I sort of look at a deck like that and go, yeah, if if it can get to five or six mana it's going to be doing some powerful stuff. But you look at like the deck that won, the, the Boros aggro deck, and it's just mm. going to be beating your face in <laughs> before you get to that point. And yep. same, same with runes and, um, you know, the the mono white lists that are here as well. So, yeah, it, like a reasonably diverse top eight, you know, we've got a couple of Esper decks, a couple of mono whites, the the runes. And then, um, yeah, there's also a teamer list. that's a, It's a bit of a dragons list like it's it's got uh uh what's it called why can't i remember the name goldsman dragon Prismari. yeah goldsman dragon galazeth and then it's also running the titan uh the titan of industry which is a solid solid card um and then yeah also running fable of the mirror breaker and then yeah just a bunch of you know expressive iterations some the gates and fading hopes and those sorts of different things so interesting list that, that'd that be a pretty cool one to to play it something that I, like- I haven't seen much of
1: yeah, it looks like Titan is the only green card in the main deck. Yeah, okay. And then in the sideboard, there's a couple of chariots and then a couple of comas. And that's it. So, it really is like an it deck. But, man, they've gone hard because it's full Titan of Industry, which has got triple green in its cost. So, <laughs> you're really leaning on those treasures because there's, I mean, there's some amount of, you know, green. Just looking at the lands, you've got, you know, like both sets of the, the pathways, the Teamer ones, but, yeah, there's not- It's interesting.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, the t- the Titan is- If you can resolve it and get on the field and then l- potentially look at copying it with the Fable, sure. it's pretty nuts. <laughs> yeah, for sure.
1: And it also laughs at other Goldspan Dragons. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not speaking from experience here.
0: <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, uh, one thing that we often find when we get into these standard formats with, uh, like, tri-coloured sets is- if if there's a lot of fixing there, then they don't end up just being three-color decks because once you're at three colors, it's it's often not that hard to branch into a fourth and sometimes even a fifth color, um, mm-hmm. and we have seen some of the – I don't know if you've seen it. I played against it a couple of times, the the five-color enchantment. What's the oh, – well, I can't remember what uh, it's called. Kami. Yeah, that's the, the one. Yeah, yeah, yes, yep, I have yep. seen that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's pretty crushed by that on, on stream. That was good fun. But nice. yeah, and like, and especially with the way like treasures are just so prolific at the moment in standard, it really isn't that hard. I mean, we saw it years and years ago with the, you know, we spoke about before, like the, what was it, like Abzan blue and whatever, <laughs> like people yeah. just splashing random color. And, and that was just- that wasn't even with things like treasures. It was just no, no. you know you just maybe we had like quick shock mana bases. Yeah, so. yeah, but it just wasn't that hard to go. Well, I'm already solidly in three colors, and I can already fetch up these lands, so I can just put one or two of yep. these extra lands in my deck, and then fetch them up when I need them. And I'm um, you know I'm all good. And so treasures just like we've seen this for a couple of years now that, that treasures just really make it quite easy to to be splashing almost any color. Uh, like even my the the deck that I've been playing that that like soul tie list I'm playing like one island and one jewel land like blue green jewel land I think and that's it and I've just got you know prosperous Innkeepers and the courier's briefcase and things like that so it's just it's almost never an issue to to get the um, the extra colors that you need so it turns out when you get a
1: card called a lotus petal and then you just make a bunch <laughs> of other cards that just spew <laughs> them out for yes three. <laughs> That's really powerful. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, uh, look, I mean, there's there's a whole conversation about treasures there, but I mean, it does yep. you know fix mana really well. So, uh, it'll be interesting to see kind of how that continues to play out when rotation yeah. comes because we're going to lose yeah. a lot of that.
0: Yeah, we certainly are. Yep. Um, so yeah, that was the ESL. I think so. They only had, ended up with 41 players for this tournament, which is still a, a solid turnout, but. It uh, is. I think they had 66 for the first one and then 41 for this one. So, you know, uh, it's still enough that it's, um, it's a good showing for local Australian events. But yeah, don't forget that there's still a few more coming up. So there's one on June the 4th. Uh, that's next weekend. Um, yeah. and then there's another one like two weeks after that. And then there's the, the champs. So yeah, if you're free on the Saturday, um, get in and play it. They did take on board some feedback. I know there's a bunch of chatter in our Discord this week, um, that, that people had been asking questions and not getting answers and, um, you know, providing feedback to them and not getting any sort of response or whatever. They did come out this week and answer a bunch of those questions. There was uh, – so, like, they have the the top two from each of the qualifiers go straight through to the finals, but prizes – so, there's a top eight stream for the championship, but prizes actually get paid out to the top 32, but there was no – it, like information on how the top 32 was actually calculated, you know, where, how are you earning points throughout the season and, and those sorts of things. Right, so they've, right, they've okay. gone through and clarified a bunch of that stuff. Um, and then also they had the event starting at 3 PM on the Saturday. And most of the time they were running, you know, six or seven rounds. So they're going to, 10 or 11, 11 o'clock at yeah. night and it's just it's just too late so they have brought that start time forward which is good to see that they're um yeah they're listening to feedback and then acting on it so next one on june the 4th and i think the start time for that will be 1 30 melbourne time so that should still work out quite well for people nice all right so continuing on that sort of vein of, of tournaments that were played we had the new capenna set championship on this weekend uh and th- I-, I believe this is the last of the set championships or this this style before we sort of kick into the new op system uh with you know paper play and there will still be like there's a, what i think three tournaments, three major arena tournaments per year so they're not i don't think they're calling them set championships anymore they're called something else but this is the last of that era of uh, of tournament structure that we've had so um, some pretty big implications for this tournament I know there was a lot of people uh, in the running for like the last world slots because there is mm-hmm. there is worlds to be played again this year so and uh, that caused a uh, so I, th- I think there was a bunch of really good storylines that um, that sort of went through the weekend there was one guy I don't know if you heard this on uh, any of the podcasts this weekend uh, this week cracker but there, there was one of the Japanese players who made it to top eight I'm I'm gonna completely butcher this name it's uh' hisamichi yoshigo yep i apologize let's go go with that yep (laughs) so apparently they qualified for the set championship accidentally they just like joined an event that was on arena didn't realize that it was a qualifier for a set championship and just happened to win it and then went oh okay i've did well in this, oh, and no, I've qualified for this thing. Okay, cool, I'll play that. And then just made top eight, and then wow. they made it all the way sort of through in the top eight to the point where they got the world's qualification. <laughs> so- no. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. I did it not is- hear that. That's <laughs> fantastic. Uh, but they were playing a Naya uh, mid-range list, not uh, Naya not – like runes, just a, yeah. like value, like skyclave apparition, luminarch aspirant, workshop war chief, which is the, the new, uh, what's it called? Thrag tusk. Like the, oh, it's like five sure. mana, five, three trample. When it's a battlefield, you gain three life. When it dies, you make a four, four rhino. Yeah. Like gala greeters, just yeah wandering emperor emperor seeker's chariot that sort of thing wedding announcement fable and mirror bracket like just literally just naya value stuff and and that's what they've been playing like they played that through the event that they randomly won and and yeah just continued playing that and <laughs> did really well and got all the way to world so that's amazing congrats to them yeah well yeah pretty pretty crazy storyline but uh yeah i know throughout the weekend there was a lot of People trying to calculate, you know, if I get this win, and I, you know, I'm locked for worlds and, and all this sort of stuff. Um, I think uh, Simon Nielsen uh, qualified for worlds, sort of halfway yeah. through the tournament, and different things Which like that. Awesome. So, yeah, yeah, so yeah, it's pretty good. So, did you uh, did you get to watch any of this event at all through the weekend? Sadly, no. <laughs> the,
1: the times are never great for <laughs> for when they're on, and when I have to do things with sleeping or. With my family. <laughs> so, <no. laughs>
0: yes. It's like the time- There's all this period where I'm asleep, so obviously mm-hmm. I can't watch it then. Then there's all there's all this period where I'm awake, where I have other things that I need to do. Yeah, where,
1: where unfortunately the real world gets in the way and- uh, Yes. <laughs> I still- uh, So- look, In fairness, I, I haven't been as interested in watching these ones. Like if it was a paper PT, I would probably have made more effort to like- have it on my phone in the background or something like that but this just i'm not saying that they're not hard like they're obviously excellent players and like it's top competition but something about it just doesn't grab me anymore
0: no it's not it's not the same and and i think it's when you're watching paper play and you've actually you can physically like see the two people sitting opposite each other playing and you can see the instant you know, reactions and looks on their faces and the way they pause to think about the plays they're gonna make and and you know, do they look nervous and all that sort of stuff. You can see all that. It just it it just adds this whole element to it that you just do not get with Well
1: they did that at the, the, the Mythic Which was actually like yeah. the best version of this I think we've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. And 100%. and also like the first version. But I mean, fair play to Wizards, you know, we, we weren't in a pandemic when that happened. So, you know, <laughs> yes. we can't can't do that now. And it's it's an entirely different thing. But um yep. yeah, I don't know
0: yeah it's it's just not as engaging and and you know yes though they don't always but sometimes they'll show the players cameras and you get to see them but it like even sort of scrolling through twitter and you know you see people's tournament reports and and just sort of their general feedback and it's like yeah i just you know i sat down and played a game and then i had you know like an hour between my game that i played and the next one so i went and did stuff with my family and then you know i just came back home and did and it's like even for the players the the feeling of the tournament is not is not the same as, Yeah, of course not, because you're not in the okay, room. Not, like, not I'm, like Yeah, I'm, I'm in this tense situation. Like, yeah. I mean, we've spoken about before, you know, you go, go to a GP, you spend the whole day playing magic. It's like you're literally just sitting down playing cards. I was explaining this to one of, one of my guys at work this week. You're literally just sitting down playing cards for the day. And by the end of the day, you are knackered. Like <laughs> you, my back's stiff, everything's yep. all jammed up. My shoulders are all tense, and like I, I need to go and have a have a deep tissue massage just to like <laughs> get all the tension out. But like it's just from that stress, and it's and your brain is fried because you've just been like operating on this high level all day, just constantly you know crunching numbers and thinking through lines and thinking through plays and things like that. But you're literally just sitting there playing a kids' card game. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that's that's a, a feeling that you just don't get when you're playing, sitting at home in your pyjamas and got your moccasins on with your cup of tea and your kids are bringing you snacks and <laughs> things like that. Like, it's just, it's not the same. So, yeah, I mean, we will be getting, obviously, as I said before, we will be getting these tournaments going forward. There, there will be these championships. I don't know what was this intention is in terms of coverage. I, I did hear some of the commentary team saying, oh, this is the last time we're doing... Like online commentary, so I, I don't know if that means in person. that. Well, yeah, I, I, I don't know, or, or maybe they're just not going to cover the the arena events. I would I would think that they would, but I don't know. We we don't even know what's what's happening with coverage. So anyway, we, 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 we'll see what that what happens. All right. So this this uh, tournament we've spoken about these before. This was a split format, mm-hmm. uh, his, historic and standard. Do you think they should have gone with Explorer? And standard or is it just too early in explorer to be to be it's able to do deep. that yeah i i it would have been nice to see but
1: yeah as much as you yeah. and i are enjoying the format i think it's really fun it's not quite there it's still very yeah the, the card pool is small uh for having it as the larger of the formats you know like you've obviously got more cards than standard but way less than historic so i i understand why they didn't do that even though i think it would have been sweet would have been cool to see what people could come up with under you know like a shorter time period kind of getting back to like og pt vibes but uh i also understand why they're historic i'm just glad it wasn't alchemy yes
0: <laughs> yeah if this if this event was alchemy and historic uh, i don't think anyone would have t- no. tuned in to watch them. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Uh yeah. um but yeah obviously yeah explorer you know they literally just had a ban like last week or whatever with the uh, with uh winoda and what was the other one two bolts trickery mm-hmm. so yeah w- would have been sh- quite a short time frame and and obviously you know they need to advertise so they, they would have locked into historic quite a while ago but i think we'll be seeing some explorer things coming up in the near future so but yeah uh, i guess maybe we can sort of run through historic first and then jump into into standard so the yeah the it was split format they played I think, like, 15 rounds in total with, like, four of one and four of another on day one and and something like that, similar on on day two, Uh, and then the top eight was... Standard, um, mm-hmm. Good old Wizards, you know, I'm going through doing these show notes and uh, trying to find, you know, we've got, we've got the top eight deck lists, we've got who the top eight players are, that sort of thing. Do you think anywhere it says on any of those pages what they played in Historic? No. I had to go and find, like, hunting through the articles, find the Historic deck lists just to, like, go, oh, okay, what's that guy's name? All right, go to the Historic deck lists from this na- this letter to this letter, find that one, okay, search up this guy's name. All right, that's what he played in Historic. Okay, cool, thanks for that, Wizards. Good, <laughs> good job. <laughs> but yeah, give give us a bit of rundown on what we saw in historic, and then we'll uh yeah, we'll jump back into standard. Well, mate,
1: the most represented deck is is it Phoenix? <laughs> T- turns
0: out surprise that, surprise. Uh, yeah,
1: that that card that deck got a couple of really good upgrades recently in uh, Ledger Shredder and also uh, Strangle is is mm. actually a really good card. Uh, and if you haven't played with or against Ledger Shredder yet. It's um better than it seems. I have seven. crafted my four legislators. I have two, <laughs> and I have now got two more Rare Wild Cards, which will shortly be going into <laughs> legislators. Shredders. Uh, it just kind of goes off. Really quickly. Yeah. You play it on turn three most of the time, so you can cast another one mana spell, you know, opt or consider or something like that. And all of a sudden it's a 2-4 and you've drawn a card and, like, it just sculpts your hand beautifully. And it just becomes really difficult to deal with. It grows really quickly while, you know, filtering and all that sort of stuff. So, uh I thought there, there's an interesting part here. The six most played non-land cards across all historic uh decks, like main decks and sideboards- were expressive iteration, unholy heat, dragon rage channeler, consider opt and arc like phoenix. That yes, sounds like they just, took I mean, their deck lists. when 30 percent of the field is yeah, Phoenix, yeah, that's, that's yeah, yeah, not surprising. <laughs> no, 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 I mean, it's <laughs> yeah. it's a lot. Um, but you know, there's there's a there's chess guy lists and other things as well. Yeah, um, yep. but yeah, that's definitely, you know, those are some very powerful cards that. Go back a very long way, you know. Legislator is seeing play all the way through to legacy iteration yep. is unholy heat sees play in modern and legacy, you know. DRC same kind of thing. So yeah, yeah.
0: very very powerful yeah. stuff. Yeah, Le- Legislator, I think uh, like just the sizing of it is what makes it super powerful. Like if it, if it was, even if it was like a two two. Well, Sprite and Dragon so when is you, the
1: one that sort of you can compare it to, I think. Yeah, and, and that's what it's replaced, replaced in those yeah.
0: in those lists. But yeah, Sprite Dragon's what, a two-mana 1-1 one, one that often grows to a 2-2, two, two, like the, yeah, yeah, the turn so you play you it, it ones, or whatever. Yeah, the fact that Ledger Shredder comes in as a 1-3, so most removal, you know, you just said that Strangle is is one of the cards that's getting highly played now. Strangle is three damage. so It's also a sorcery. Yeah, yes, it is. Yeah, I don't know why it's not, a, not an instant, but anyway. But, yeah, if you can play your legislator and trigger it straight away, it goes straight to a 2-4. So, it is quite hard to kill, and it's a solid offensive creature. Like, even if you don't grow it for the rest of the game, a 2-4 flyer is still really good. It's just a wall a lot of the time. Yeah. And, yep. and
1: just gaining value. So, yep. it, yeah. I, I, yeah, like I've been playing it and, you know, people double spell on their turn. You're like, oh, thank you. That removal spell doesn't <laughs> yes, work anymore. <laughs> I will uh, draw that card. And, uh,
0: yeah, it's the, the old Tarmogov check. No, you cannot lightning bolt. My It yes, does not I die. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, like, if uh, yeah, specifically for the Phoenix list, it's doing everything you want. Like it's, a, it's that secondary threat that you want for Phoenix because you, you always need, you can't rely just on your Phoenixes. Mm-hmm. It doesn't care about the graveyard and and i guess we'll talk in a second about unlicensed hearse which is another card that's popped right up um so it doesn't care about your graveyard so that's the the secondary threat that uh, mm-hmm. you know you, you don't care about the graveyard it's growing over time it's already a flyer all that sort of stuff but it's also filtering your hand like you're looting yeah, you're literally outlet. drawing a discard and discarding like it's like yes i will play my ledger shredder and then i will cast a one mana spell which draws me a card and oh look i drew a Bin chicken, so I'm going to discard that. You know, you can go, like, consider and, oh, it's a bin chicken on the top of my library. Well, I'll put that straight into my graveyard and I'll also put another one in my graveyard from my legislator. And, yeah, it, it, it's it's just doing everything you want for yeah, the uh, cool for the Phoenix deck. So, so yeah, not, not so surprised that that's slotted into there.
1: Unlicensed Hearse is yep. another card that you mentioned, which is from the current Streets of New Capenna uh, I might read it because it's not something that people might be massively familiar with. So, it's two generic mana for an artifact. It's a vehicle. Uh, And it's power and toughness are equal to the number of cards exiled under it. So, it says tap and then exile up to two cards from a single graveyard with a crew of two. The crew cost is kind of whatever. I guess late game you can, you know, suit it up and attack with it. But the fact that you just get to tap it every turn, there's no mana cost attached to it. You just get to exile two cards from an opponent's graveyard every turn. That's pretty fantastic. It's a really good way to, you know, control that at instant speed for no additional mana investment. So, the thing with, as you know, Shorty knows, with the, um, is it Phoenix decks? Is you can you can beat one shot graveyard removals. You know, like a Relic of Progenitus or something like that. Y- you'll lose a bunch of stuff, but at some point they have to pop it. They just have to, you yeah. know, it blow it up to to get rid of your graveyard, and you're like, okay, cool, and you just refuel, and then they, you know trying to find another answer to the graveyard. Whereas this is just on a stick. You just do it every turn. And the fact that it's target, amazing. You get to target it. It's not like some other ones where, like, with Relic, if you tap it, then, you know, your opponent gets to choose which card gets removed. So, yeah, it's pretty fantastic.
0: Yeah, two two cards a turn is a lot. It is a lot. And it's two mana, and then you can use it straight away. So, straight up, you are getting- Mm Two two cards on the turn that you play with it, play it, and because it's not a creature all the time, it's just an artifact. You know, ninety nine percent of the time, it is harder to remove. You know, you you do need to be bringing in that artifact removal to to deal with the unlicensed hearse, which often, yeah, like when you when you're playing against. Yeah, something like Relic. You just go well. Yeah, yeah. They will exile some of my graveyard, but mm-hmm. I'll be fine after that. So you you just don't bother with the artifact removal. But yeah, this thing's just going to stick around. And then yeah, it it's it does eventually become a win condition. You know, if yeah, definitely. if you ex you exile six cards with it, then eventually you're going to find something to crew it, and it just becomes a six six. So uh, yeah, it is it is quite solid. And, and you know, sort of looking at the the meta game. You know, you said we've got. Just over thirty percent. Is it Phoenix? The next deck on the list is seventeen point nine percent of Golgari food. So, another deck that definitely uses the graveyard. It is yep. harder timing wise to exile uh, cats from graveyards. It is. Um, but it's still you possible. Gotta, yeah, you got to find the the right times, and it depends. You know who who goes first. You know sometimes if they activate you know, they sack a food to bring the cat back and then you respond. And then if they've got another food, then they can still bring it back before you exile it and different things like that. So you get in these situations where it's, you know, who's going to jump first and and who can sort of time it to, to actually get it out of the graveyard. You've also got on, uh, on this metagame list, there's Rakdos Arcanist, which it's only 6% of the metagame, but that's another deck that uses the, the graveyard. So yeah, can see why that's become a, uh, a solid card that's um, going to be, yeah, widely played. And I think it's also getting played in, like, modern and things like that as well. Just is a, a solid graveyard hate piece. Yeah.
1: Yep. Which is fine, I guess. No, it's good. It's good to have <laughs> counterplay to that sort of thing without having to have resort to, like, um, you know, super hard stuff like Relic. Uh, not Relic, sorry. Uh, Rest in Peace or... Um, Leyline of the Void, you know. The, yeah. We, not, we don't have to see that kind of thing anymore, which is good. Yep.
0: Uh, so, what else do we see as as sort of the big percentages of, of the field?
1: Azorius. So, there's both Auras and Affinity, which is pretty spicy. Yep. The The Auras deck has pretty much been a staple. It's floated in and out of the metagame from Historic for as long as it's been around. You know, the the curiosity effect where you, you know, just suit up an evasive creature and, and you know, draw a bunch of cards and then- kind of tempo people out. There's a uh, staggering insight is the one of the ones. And yeah, it's it seems really solid. It's just kind of picks up bits and pieces here and its mana just gets better and, you know, it's just good. Yep. And Affinity, do you, have, do you, do you know anything about this one?
0: Uh, it's been around for a little while because you do have like Thought Monitor and, and nettle Nettlesyst mm-hmm. and a bunch of those sorts of Affinity type cards. So, it, yeah, it has, has been around for a little while. I don't know that it picked up anything new really. Uh, but yeah, is is still a uh, a pretty solid solid deck. Um, you know, you've got some artifact based removal now in like portable hole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're playing you know Karns and and different things like that. So yeah, can can be quite strong. Yeah, and Esper Sentinel is a yeah yeah that's an right excellent card. Um, yeah. that will draw you yeah. all those Mo- Modern Horizons cards. Surprise, surprise. are yeah. super strong. <laughs> Who knew they were good? <laughs> <Probably> yeah, everybody. <laughs> So yeah that's that's historic. I, I don't know how you feel about historic, but I've just I'm just not interested in historic anymore. <laughs> uh, yeah, not at all. Yeah, uh, like it, to me it just seems like a, a format that is going to die and like you know it'll get played when they force people to play it for for events, but once the paper tournaments come back, People aren't going to be focused on playing formats like historic, and then yeah, they will literally only play it when Wizards goes, Yep, we've got a championship coming up, and it's it's historic. So, uh, yeah, I just see, um, I, I see mean, Explorer just sort of it, taking over from yeah, it. Yeah,
1: they've, they've already written that here in lies the death of historic with Explorer, right? Like, yeah, once Pioneers on in Arena, I can't imagine kind of anyone playing it yep. ever.
0: So, anyway. Well, we'll see what happens. All right. So, yeah, the other half of the tournament was standard as well as the the top eight. So, give gives a bit of a rundown on the standard metagame.
1: Uh, so, we saw a bunch of Jeskai lists. It's almost like, you know, is it is a really good color combination. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, there's- uh, Yeah, hang on. Let me just get to the right. Part. There's a lot of scrolling. Yeah, so uh, Esper Midrange was the most represented deck, um, and we spoke about we spoke about Rafine a bunch of times. Actually, that um, yeah, turns out can um, being able to filter your hand and grow your team is excellent ability, uh, and also gets to play the Wandering Emperor, which is you know and just one of the best Planeswalkers in quite a while. I think you could pretty safely say,
0: yeah, very very strong.
1: Uh, and then yeah, Nio Runes, Jeskai Storm. Jund midrange, and then Grixis
0: vampires. <laughs> yeah, that was a uh, bit of a spicy out of the out of the out of the box <laughs> list that no one was expecting. Uh, do you know people what- were Expecting it? <laughs> <laughs> like what? What is this deck doing? That uh, that so actually makes it good. I don't
1: know. Like it's bloodthirsty adversary, blood tithe harvester, some. Corpse Appraiser, let me quickly read what that does. It's a Grixis (laughs) thing, it's a 3-3.
0: It does battlefield, exile up to one target creature card from a graveyard. If a card is put into exile this way, look at the top three cards of your library, then put one of those cards into your hand and the rest into your graveyard. So it's just a three mana 3-3 that, yeah, you're a little bit of graveyard hate, and you're just looking at three cards and putting one into your hand. So I guess it's just value.
1: Yeah, I mean it's you're you're playing vampires for Evelyn, right? The covetous, yeah, uh, is the the payoff because I mean otherwise it's like the Grixis Shelly's just good, you know. It's got Meat Hook Massacre, and you know we're talking about Fable of the Mirror Breaker before, and like you know, kind of all that good stuff. Uh, but Evelyn is a it's a five mana two five, and it says uh, Flash. Whenever Evelyn or another vampire enters the battlefield under your control, exile the top card of each player's library with a collection counter on it. Once each turn you may play a card from exile with a collection counter on it, or if it was exile by an ability you controlled, you may spend the manner if there was any colour. So I don't know, man. It's it seems kinda slow. Yeah, yes. Uh, but <laughs> just can't a slow why.
0: grindy value list.
1: Yeah, yeah. And look, I guess you you, you know, like your tenacious oh, Tenacious Underdog isn't even a what's going on there? <laughs> it's just like a just <laughs> not even a vampire. It's like, oh, I suppose if it's a vampire you can keep rebuying it, but it's just I mean, when it dies, you draw cards, so that's pretty good. Yeah. You you get to play, like, a lot of removal and a couple of Kaitos and, you know, I guess it's just kind of- It's a Grixis deck, man. It's just a pile of cards and, you know, fine.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Oh, yeah, Mike- (laughs) Doesn't grab me. Mike Sigurus decided that uh, it was the list for him and he made it to the top eight, so- I mean, okay, part of okay. that might have just been that it's Mike Sigrist, and that's what got into the top eight.
1: We need to have a serious <laughs> conversation. They are playing <laughs> Blue and Red Lens in one expressive iteration.
0: Mm, yeah. Yeah, I don't know, I don't don't, understand. Don't know about that. That <laughs> no, just feels weird to me. <laughs> anyway. Uh,
1: yep. yep. Siggy is good.
0: Yep. So, I, I don't have the – I couldn't find the, like, win rates on the lists and, you know, the the win matrix that we seem to – will get tends to get produced for these events so i don't know if no one just bothered doing it this time but from what i've heard like there was five is it mill decks which i know i think it's plunksy from our discord's been been playing a bit of that um i think that had quite a good win rate from from what i've sort of been hearing yeah where you're you know you're copying tasha's hideous laughters with galvanic iterations and that sort of thing. So you 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 know, exiling a whole bunch of cards, and I guess that's enough to get you get you there in the end. But uh, yeah, other than that, I don't think there was anything that was crazy high in the win rate. So I, I think going into the event, most people probably would have picked that Esper was going to be the most played deck, which it turned out to be thirty four percent of the the meta game, and then mm-hmm. yeah, obviously Runes was going to be there. Jeskai Storm, I think, was the one. That was a lot higher than than people were expecting. Do you know how this deck works?
1: I every time I think I've worked it out, I <laughs> realize I probably <laughs> actually haven't. Is kind of what's going on. So there's there's a couple of different versions. Hang on, I'm just having a look. This yeah, shows sure confidence eight. that yeah. you can so do it,
0: and it's- If you look in the top eight list, there's there's David Inglis who uh, mm-hmm. who is playing this one. So yeah, you're playing a a fairly standard. Is it list, you know? You've got Goldspan Dragons, you've got Leers, Expressive Iteration, Fable of Mirror Breaker. Um, you're playing Big Score, which is the new unexpected windfall that but's easier to Just cast. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Bit of removal in cards like uh, Voltage Surge and, and that sort of stuff, some galvanic, galvanic Iterations, and then a few, you know, counter spells, fading hope, that sort of Juara disruption, all etc. And then yeah, you're playing one or this list playing one Sajiri Shelter, which is the the white Flip land, then it is tapped, mm-hmm. but on the other side it's two mana, uh, instant, give a creature protection from the color of your choice. And then two, show of confidence, which is a weird spell. It's one and a white for an instant. When you cast this spell, copy it for each other instant and sorcery spell you've cast this turn. You may choose new targets for the copy. So it's sort of got a storm for instants and sorceries, mm-hmm. and it's. Put a plus on plus on counter on target creature, it gains vigilance until end of turn. So, my understanding of the list is you're just sort of controlling the board, I guess, or just sort of ramping with you know unexpected windfalls and, and big scores and Fable of the Mirror break and that sort of thing, getting a goldsman on the field and then casting show of confidence and then kind of just going off like your if you've cast another instant that turn and then you cast show of confidence you get two two of show of confidence you both you target both of them at your gold span which gives you two treasures those treasures are all tapped for two mana and so you can just kind of get into a spot where you're just casting a bunch of spells that target your gold span and you just kind of draw through your deck with more big scores and you know copying them with flashing back galvanic iterations that sort of thing churn through your deck until you get to a leah and then by then you've generated a bunch of mana so then you cast your leah and then you just kind of do it all again and show of confidence and yeah like it's it's giving your gold span dragon plus one plus one so it's pumping up your Goldspan Dragon and you're just kind of, yeah, casting it a whole bunch of time and effectively storming off and then killing them with Goldsman Dragons. So, it's an interesting interesting deck. (laughs) Because it's not deterministic. No, it's not. By by any means. so I think you can get to a point where it's like I I can just cast so many spells and then I, you know, I recast, you know, you cast- eight spells and then you recast a show of confidence like that's yeah. eight you know it's a ton of plus on plus on counters and so much treasure that you're you're generating so you are effectively getting to a point where it's like yeah I've, I've almost got infinite mana and i can just cast every card in my deck and, and then recast them from my graveyard sort of thing so it obviously would use up a ton of time on the clock. You gotta, you gotta be quick on <laughs> your, clicks, on your yeah. clicks to, you know, manage that and make sure you can actually get through your turn and then attack before you, your time out. But like this is not a new list. This has been around for, no. for quite a while. I think the only thing it's picked up really is the big score as the easier to cast unexpected windfall. So it's playing four of them and two, two unexpected windfall, but everything else is just old stuff that we've, we've already seen really. So. I think this was the sort of surprise deck from from the weekend and, and obviously made its way into into top eight. So um, good on them. Yeah, congratulations. Yeah, I guess uh, like sort of looking at the the top eight, it was taken down by – it's not – I'm pretty sure the last time we said this person's name, it was Chewy, and he said Jan Merkel, which is not right. It's Jan Merkel from what I understand. <laughs> uh, what, what nationality are they? Is that, uh, what's that flag? Is that German? No, uh, the black, red, yes yellow is. flag. Yep. Yeah. So uh, I think uh, like Yarn Merkel is someone who's been around for a long time. I think they won a pro tour like 16 years ago or something like mm-hmm. that. So this was their like big, big return. Uh, but they were playing the the Jeskai Hanata deck, which I don't think there was many. It's not three listed. people. <laughs> it's so, yeah, three three players playing Jeskai Hanata, uh, and and one of them took the tournament down. So. We've mentioned this deck before, but, uh, like, is this one that you know how this one do. works, right yeah, yeah. So, yeah, basically,
1: you it. just want to ramp into- Well, control the board for a bit, and then get a Hinata, the Dawn Crowns down. And then you just cast Magma Opus and win the game. Is how it <laughs> works whenever opponents have done- <laughs> played it against me. It's it's also playing four Gold Spans uh, and for Mirror Fable of the Mirror Breakers. Uh, and then, yeah, just, like, removal spells, counter spells- to, to basically just get to that point where you can Magma Opus and then you just, you know, deal four as you choose, you tap a couple of things, you make a 4-4, you draw some cards, you create, you know, like, it just kind of does everything for eight mana. But because you're targeting so many different things, Hanada reduces the cost just massively. So you can cast it for, like, a red and a blue sometimes or, you know, like four mana or whatever instead of the eight that it normally costs on then um, the top right but it's also an instant so you can do some pretty disgusting things with it uh you know pre-combat or you know like in someone's end step they, they leave up some blockers and you just tap them all down and there's an extra 4-4 they've got to deal with and you've got two extra cards it's it's kind of disgusting
0: yeah it's and- pretty pretty yeah. tr- it's it's one of those uh, like synergies that you look at and go oh yeah that's cute so like hanada says like, it's a four mana, four, four flying trample. So that's pretty solid already, but it says spells you cast cost one less to cast for each target. And then, and the way Magma Opus is worded, it's, it's, yeah, eight mana, but it's deals four damage divided as you choose among any number of targets. So there's four targets, you know, you can just pick four, you know, deal one damage to each of those four targets, and then it's got tap two target permanence. So you can get six targets with the spell, which takes that whole six mana off the spell, and so it just costs blue, red. And then the rest of the text on the spell is create a four, four, blue, and red elemental creature token and draw two cards. So you're paying two mana. Like the the four damage you deal may not actually do much. You might just be targeting things just to like make the spell cheaper. Tapping mm-hmm. two permanents at instant speed, yeah, like you said, Cracker, can be really good, but yeah, you're making a 4-4 four, four and drawing two cards on top of the 4-4 four, four flying trample that you've already got that also has a taxing effect on it. Spells your opponent's cast cost one more to cast for each target. So, if Did they want to kill you at it adds that. Adds also to that.
1: means counter spells. Yes. If yes, you counter, spells counter to their spell, you have to target it and it costs you mm-hmm. one more. I've Definitely not lost to that clause. <laughs> <laughs> just, you know, like you're on autopilot playing Arena and uh, you're just like, oh, yeah, I'll leave up two mana for a negate. And then they cast a Magma Opus and it resolves instantly. You're like, wait, what happened here? Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, can't, I can't cast that. Yeah.
0: I lose. <laughs> yeah. So the, I think, and same thing, this deck's been around for quite a while. Yeah. I don't think there's, uh, there's Make Disappear. Which is a counter spell, and that's basically it. That's been added from from the new set, so it's yeah been around for a while. And, and I think it's just one of those lists that if you know how to pilot it, it can be really solid. And I guess it just happened to be the the weekend for this that list for for this weekend. Cool deck. I, I think when we spoke about it previously, this was a deck that was like, oh, I'd love to play this deck, but yep. I don't want to spend the wild cards. Although I'm probably actually not that far off of being able yeah, to build. Yeah, pretty close build this list i don't i don't think i've got any hanadas and i don't think i have any fables either but i reckon i've probably got most of the rest of it so may, maybe i should look at it but it's probably uh probably no good in the meta now so um but yeah pretty diverse top eight as, as well as like same as what we saw in in esl you know we've got yeah jeskai hanada esper midrange nire Midrange, which is the not the runes list grixis vampires jeskai storm jund midrange and uh, and then another Esper and another another Jund. So, what's that? Six different lists in the, or five lists, something like that in the in yeah, the top eight. Five. So yeah, pr- pretty diverse, which is uh, good to see. So yeah, congrats to uh, Jan Merkel and uh, all the people that have made worlds from that. Um, yeah, there was a, again. I don't know if you've heard through the the podcast this week, but there was a bit of controversy. As there always seems to be with these online tournaments, uh, apparently there was like twenty French players who all got disconnected at the exact same time. Yeah, I saw that. And by the time you know they they couldn't then log they back in, joined, so yeah. yeah. So by the time they eventually got back in, their match was was done. And again, it's just raised that it's raised that question of why can't arena. Pause games and have a match log. So it's, you know, it, especially I understand in like ladder play and just random games and whatever. Yeah. If people get disconnected, it, that happens because there's, there's no real stakes there. But when you're doing direct challenge, it should be able to pause that match because it just sucks when something like and, and arena crashes all the time. Like it's not, it oh, this really is a does. really rare occurrence. It just literally just crashes all the time. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so I think the issue was – so, basically, you know, uh, Wizards investigated and went, well, It was there was no issue on our end. And I assume Wizards would go, oh, look, yeah, there was some server issue on our end, so we'll get you to restart the matches from whatever point they're up to or whatever. But Wizards basically came out and said, nope, there was no issue on our end. It was an issue from your end, so there's nothing we can do about it. And I would assume it was some random no, what they, French internet issue. what they did was they, they
1: assigned them as a draw. Oh, okay. And so, they awarded match points to both players. So, both players ended up with three match points, but then they're like, look, it shouldn't affect anything later. And then, and then it, it turns out that it did because it messed up a bunch of tiebreakers and things because yeah, right. all of a sudden you've got effectively two winners from like round two points yep. wise. And it just, yeah, it, it did some messy things with a couple of people's and, and world's races. Probably, maybe, probably not as well. It's just one of those things where- yeah, it's hard know. to know. It's pretty tricky to work out a clean way to resolve that for it is everybody. Yeah. So you know,
0: yeah, yeah, and and yeah, it just again, it just highlights there should be that very basic function where the game has a log. So even if everything goes wrong and and both players have to restart they can restart it from the game log and just log back into the game that that they're in the middle of that's just been paused like it's it shouldn't be that hard i'm pretty sure it's something that hearthstone's had for a very long time so yeah i don't yeah, think they, magic they really online should online
1: have online has ever had that though not no. that I'm saying that that makes it good but just you know the
0: I mean. difference with magic online is you don't time out on a turn it's that's like true. yes you have a chess clock but yeah, yeah, yeah. You, can you can use up, you can up your entire up. chess yeah. clock yeah whereas arena It will time you out of your turn and just pass your turn. And then if you time out on too many turns in a row, you just lose. You just straight up lose. You could still have 20 minutes on your clock and you just lose. So, yeah, I think uh, for a lot of the pro-level players, they're going to be very glad to be back in paper where you just don't have that problem (laughs) anymore. Uh, Yeah. Uh, But I I just sort of added a question uh, on our show notes there. Do we think standard's in a good place? Like I sort of said before that I'm not really enjoying playing standard i'm i'm kind of stuck in a spot i I think i could be enjoying standard if i went all right i'm just going to put in 150 bucks buy a bunch of cards get a bunch of wild cards all that sort of stuff or if i'd been drafting and i had cards and i had options to build more decks there's plenty of good decks you know if, if we look on the the mtg goldfish metagame like there's a ton of decks like the the metagame shares are pretty Wide, Like there's there's nothing that's that's got a huge amount and there's some really cool decks there. But I I think for me, I'm just kind of stuck in a spot where I'm not, I don't have access to decks that I want to play without spending a ton of money and the decks that I can play, I'm just really not enjoying. But as a whole, do we think standard is good?
1: Yeah, I think it's in the, the best place it's been in a long time. Like I, I've been playing a little bit and I've been watching a bit as well. And there's just kind of, yeah, everything is represented in, in one way or another. I mean, apart from like a true combo deck, if you would. But, you know, there's aggro decks, there's control decks, there's a bunch of mid-range decks, there's tempo decks. It's kind of just like, it feels like everything is really well represented and nothing is like just disgustingly oppressive. It feels like we've we've kind of now got all the answers that we needed. You know, the, for a while there, the, the Caldheim set was, was clearly like the most powerful set in standard after, you know, much of the other stuff rotated and, you know, you like a Sigus Chariot and goldspan Dragon and all that kind of stuff. But there's pretty clean answers to everything now. So you can, it feels like you can build your deck in kind of whatever colors you like with the fact that we've got, you know, better fixing now to, to let us branch out into, you know, three color decks or four, or five, if you want to get kind of wild about it. There, there are some cards that are egregious, You know, like Meat Hook Massacre is a messed up card. The Seeker's Chariot is still a messed up card. Goldspan Dragon, definitely messed up. You know, like there's there's things in each deck that you can point to and you're like, this is probably better than it should be. But it feels like somehow we've hit equilibrium. So, I don't know. I'm kind of digging it.
0: Yeah. And it's, you know, we've seen like Runes was a- it is as a really strong deck, really powerful, but we're seeing that drop off of the meta game, and then you know mm-hmm. Esper has has risen and and yeah, sort of become the, the top deck, and and then and now the Jeskai decks are sort of coming back in. So I guess maybe I'm just salty that I just can't play mono red, and <laughs> that's my <laughs> I mean, that's my problem. That's, but. <laughs> that is the thing that's not represented. It's it's yes. been a minute, man. It's been all mono white as the beatdown deck,
1: but I mean yeah. like that's that's dropped right off, but it's still. It's still good. It's still a legitimate choice you have, and like you can even just go like Stompy if that's your thing. You can play Mono yeah. Green again, and and like yep, it feels like if you've been playing something for a a while in standard, you're not just straight punished. Nothing has come in in the last couple of sets and just invalidated everything else prior to that, which is good. Yeah. Which has certainly happened before. Oh, uh, yeah. So I, I think that the the balance and the power level of sets is feels pretty good. Across the board. Yep. And, and like some of the, the fear that everyone had was like, it's just going to be obnixless all the time. It's just not like no. it's played, but it's not super represented. It's, it's in like, I'm just looking at the top sort of, you know, standard breakdown and it's like Esper, Naya, Grixis, Jeskai, then Jund. It's like in the top five decks, but it's not the top deck. So I think that's, that's a good spot considering there was yeah. a bit of fear about
0: that. Yeah, and even like that John mid-range deck is playing two of Nixos, yeah. so yeah. not even playing it as a, as a four of. So I think, yeah, it, it does seem to be in a really good spot, which is lucky because we've got this standard for <laughs>
1: until September four is more months. Like that, right, <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. That's so, how I feel
0: about it. Yeah. I mean, if, if they manage to continue that churn and these lists – still cycle around and rotate for the next four months good job wizards like well done that is that is impressive but i think yeah give it another two months and you're gonna have people just going yep i'm completely done with standard which will be fine because we'll have explorer to play and other things and paper tournaments will be back by then and whatever so it's probably probably not too bad All right, so last thing, just to quickly touch on on the way out the door, uh, obviously, we're still going through Boulder's Gate previews. Uh, We still don't have the full list yet. Uh, It comes out, I don't know know when the final previews are meant to finish, but uh, a couple of cards, you know, if we just quickly mention a couple of things each. I I just wanted to mention uh, the gates. So, they're obviously, uh, they're pushing the gates as a... Land type in this set, which makes sense, seeing as it's called Boulder's Gate, yep. and obviously they've made we, a card about that called Boulder's Gate. Week. Yep, yeah, yep. So that's cool. But yeah, uh, I think they actually only just got previewed. Might have even been today. Uh, there are some gates for each of the colors. So there's uh, the example uh, Cliff Gate, which is the the red one. So it enters tapped. It's a it's a land gate, of course. Uh, enters tapped as it enters the battlefield choose a color other than red and then it's got tap add red or one mana of the chosen color so it's a um, land that can go into any red commander deck and be fixing for for whatever you need so there's one of them for for each of the colors which is really cool Um, and then we've also got heap gate which is uh, obviously a land gate this one enters the battlefield untapped which is abnormal for for the gates uh it's got tap add a colorless or one and tap add one mana of any color so filtering and then it's got one tap tap and untapped gate you control to create a treasure token so basically costs you three mana because you've got to you gotta pay a mana you gotta tap this land and tap another gate to create a treasure which you're obviously treasure is mana so just a way to sort of spend your spend your mana at the end of turn and just slowly generate some treasures and, and fix Your mana as well. So, yeah, gates will be interesting. I mean, I think you played – I know I played the gates deck in standard. Did you play the gates deck as well in in standard? No, I didn't. I played against it a lot. Yeah, okay. That was was good fun. Um, The hard part with the gates is you're just – you're basically playing a full turn behind all the time because almost all of your gates are coming into play tapped. But um, I know, like, the guys from MTG Goldfish have been talking about the gates as a – a cheap alternative to a mana base, you know, if you can't afford fetches and shocks and, and OG dual lands and all the, all the various, you know, the, the, battle bond lands, which I think we're getting reprinted in this set, yeah, um, yeah. all those sorts of things, then, then gates can be a, a cheap alternative because it's, it's easy to get your you fixing from those. And there are cards that search up gates and, and things like that. So yeah, just, yeah, just something interesting. Play these in a three color deck. I don't know about
1: a two-colour deck because you've got- Yeah, probably not for two-colours. You know, like if you're playing two-colours, you would probably just go with the um, temples. You can usually find yep. a temple of yeah, two-colours which gives you the scry and they, they cost you nothing, even though they're a rare land cycle. Uh, but the fact that you get to choose the, the secondary colour on these, I think is actually really legitimately good. So, if you're playing, you know, Jund in that example with Cliffgate and you need- green mana, then, you know, you're not stuck with a red black land that doesn't give you the green you need to cast the spells in your hand. So, I think I think that's really cool. Giving you a little more flexibility is uh, is always nice. Yep. Alright, you got a card you want to talk about? I do. It is called Ancient Silver Dragon because, of course it is. And, surprise, surprise, <laughs> it's blue. <laughs> it is 6 blue blue for an 8-8. Eight, eight. It is a creature eld dragon, not legendary. So, you can have as many of these things as you want which is one well, in commander, but uh, it says flying whenever ancient <laughs> silver dragon deals combat damage to a player, roll a d20, draw cards equal to the result. You have no maximum hand size for the rest of the game. Oh my goodness, Shorty, I can deal someone eight damage and then draw 20 cards. This is the greatest thing I've ever seen.
0: Or yes, or, there's a or whole slide deal eight you damage know. and draw one card, but even that's fine. Hey, listen. <laughs>
1: I mean, I'm attacking. I don't know what else you want from me here. Like yeah, that's yeah. that's a step up from <laughs> <laughs> what I've normally. Doing. I don't think uh, this card is like this card is sweet. I I love. You know, th- there's lots of different ways you can engage in commander, and every now and again, I just want to cast big dumb things that do big dumb things. And
0: this pre-selling definitely- for twenty three dollars.
1: <laughs> it says draw twenty cards on it, Shorty. <laughs> I don't know what you don't understand about this. Yeah, and you know what you can do? You can equip it with Blade of Selves. Yep. And then you can have just three of them and attack three people. your <laughs> <laughs> Do you have to
0: roll one D20 or do you have to roll four D20 or three D20s? No, no, it's you'd three because it's have to, three you'd, separate you'd have, creatures. Yeah, so you'd have to roll a D20 each time. Correct. Because yeah. they have to deal combat damage. Yeah.
1: So, nice. Anyway. Uh, yeah, lots of myriad. <laughs> we were just chatting about that before. Lots of myriad on, on creatures in this um, set, which is going to be interesting to see how that plays out.
0: Yeah, it's I've I've never played a commander de- a commander game with that mechanic, so mm. it seems confusing when you actually read <laughs> read through it. I, I I think in practice it's probably it's, pretty yeah, straightforward. It's actually much
1: but, simpler than, than it reads. Yeah, it's kind yeah, of like you put very on a wordy. You attack and then hey, you look, just, copy that just yep. You just copy that creature.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, I did just see, like, literally next to your ancient silver dragon is a card hmm. that I'm, I'm not, not gonna be able to not mention. Storm King's Thunder with some really sweet heart, actually. And Storm King is a campaign that I played in, in d with, uh, with, my brothers, but it's nice. X red, red, red for an instant. When you cast your next instant or sorcery spell this turn, copy that spell X times. You may choose new targets for the copies. Just another card for my deck that I'm not allowed to play. You can <laughs> play business. It's like- fucking. <laughs> Just, uh, yeah, generate a bunch of mana and then, uh, yeah, copy my next spell 10 times and kill everybody again. <laughs> so uh, sounds fun.
1: Yeah. Speaking of, uh, of those types of commanders, these, um, I've seen some cards that referenced, uh, experience counters in here as Oh, well. really? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. I can't remember where they were. Hang on. Uh,. Uh, there's definitely something that referred to like it, um yeah, experience counters again, which I thought was really interesting.
0: So, yeah, right, because we haven't seen that since those pre precons, no, which is haven't. 2015, I think those those ones came out. So it's yeah. quite a while. Yep. All right, so yeah, the the set looks pretty cool. It, obviously, if you're into commander, then uh, then you're going to be into you're that. Over this. Yeah. Um, speaking of commander, the command fest that's uh, happening in Sydney towards the end of June is sold out. So if you were planning on going to that. I don't know how you're gonna go because there really really isn't side events. So yeah. um I know Chris Polywaffle and uh Infect Rules, they're they're going up, I think, with a couple of our other mates as well. So mm-hmm. they'll be there repping the repping the beans and Hemsey's going and I think Plunksy was intending on going as well. So yeah, it'd be cool to see a bunch of beans there. Chris will have his vintage cube on hand just in case we manage to to get eight players together uh, but i think that event is all about this set like it's sort of like the pre-release for for this set so yeah should be should be pretty cool so getting on that and uh yeah hopefully it goes well i'm sure we'll, well we might be able to get some sort of tournament rundown from chris and getting back on the podcast when he gets home from uh from the event yeah he we were chatting about that today at work just about what yeah, nice. he was
1: gonna build and things he's um he's pretty pretty excited for it man he's he's there's a bunch of stuff. That Filth, pretty filthy cool.
0: casual commander player. He's not playing filthy casual. <laughs> He's uh, playing C, <laughs> C- He's Building some CEDH <laughs> nonsense.
1: Yes, Henry Pod uh, we were talking about today.
0: Oh, okay. And being Chris, there's you know obviously power involved and <laughs> well, there's no actual <laughs> power. No ex- no expense spared. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, well, the, be, the cards, cards you're easy.
1: allowed to play that are expensive in commander will be that played. Is, that is true. I guess yes. time twisters technically
0: power. Yeah, yeah. cool. All right, we uh, our short podcast, as always, has gone over an hour cracker. It, so it uh, turns out it. we can actually talk about magic even if we don't <laughs> know we, much we didn't of watch what's the tournament going on. <laughs> so yeah, usual wrap up. Uh Quick reminder on the league: we're like nearly two thirds of the way through the group stage, and we've had like. Less than a third of the matches played, so get cracking. Uh, you know, I think even us beans have been pretty lazy. I've only played one match. You've only played one match, and yep. I think Chewy or stew have played any matches yet. So, hopefully, we'll see a flurry Yellitus of things this weekend. Yeah, us yeah. and yell at Yeah. Obviously, you know, there's time differences and all that sort of thing, but, uh, yeah, yeah get, get your act together for that. So, yeah, you need to have all your matches played by... Monday the 6th, I think, was the the cutoff, uh, Mm -hmm. 10 p.m. on Monday the 6th. So, yeah, you've you've still got, you know, a week and a half, but don't slack on them and, uh, yeah, make sure you're being in contact with your opponents and – if you're not getting any response in the channel, uh, send them direct messages. And then if you're still getting no response from them, let me or your relevant bean know. And, uh, yeah, we can either try and get in contact with them ourselves or we will give you the the match win uh, for the lack of communication. Uh, if you want to get in on our future events, so we will still have – two more leagues this year and two more one day events so there's still plenty of time to get envy points the best place to do that is in the discord so the link for that is always in the show notes there is a link for the merch store if you are going to the command fest grab yourself a a hoodie or a t-shirt or something like that and uh, rep the magic beans logo while you're there so we know who you are and makes you easy to find There's also a link for Josh and Pat's MTG Bazaar, or you can just go to jpmtgbazaar.com.au. That'll take you straight to the Facebook auction group. You can join up and get yourself some bargains. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, and Twitter, all those places. Just search for Magic Beans or Magic Beans Cast, and you will find us. If you want to find me on Twitter, I am at Peace Inc. And you are, Cracker?
1: At Joel Hill underscore.
0: Very good. So that's it for this week. Thank you, as always, for listening. Hopefully I've edited out all my coughs. If not, enjoy them, and uh, we will see you all next time.